0: Chugging along,
1: writing a song when something special comes along. It's a long-winded direction list, discussion for conversationalists. Bring the brains and, and we'll talk, talk it over. between takes. Welcome back to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. I'm Aiden
0: And I'm Livia O'Neill. And
1: today, Aiden is finally interviewing Liv. We're going to talk about social constructs.
0: How music influences culture or vice versa.
1: And to top it all off, we're going to talk about the archetypes of heroes, villains, and everything in between. So if that's your jam, sit back and enjoy this week's episode of... Between Takes. Check... Check. I know a Polish sound guy. I know a check one too.
0: I haven't heard that. Oh, Oop.
1: Oop, you got a little texty text. Livy's popular these days. Here's a funny story, folks, at home. I've been working, it's what is it is like 8:30 p.m. or something like that mm-hmm. for the past like four hours. I've been at my computation device and Liv just sneeze. It's <laughs> oh, wow. it's a real sorry, say what's, that again. What's the word? It's a um hmm. It's a it's a real cacophony. Of chaos. You've been no. working
0: at your desk for four hours on something, and I've been working for four hours on something. We've
1: just been we've <laughs> just been very like isolated, and then but also punchy. We're I'm mean, just I'm mm. the, we i just we have not been in this mood in a very long time. Yeah, <clears throat> live. How was I you, updated how, the cool. website?
0: So if you guys want to check out our website, it check has it a out. lot of cool new pictures. It's got so. so
1: many pictures on it. You can look at it and be like, "What?" and be like, "Wow!" I feel and like, be like it huh? used
0: to be like you ask, um. Like when bands are marketing themselves, it's like, oh, what's your website? And Mm. that's like the thing. But now it's like, what's your Instagram or Mm -hmm. your Facebook? Which is pretty easy to find. Yeah, you don't have to ask them. You can just ask what their name is. You can just
1: Google the band name. Yeah. And the website should pop up. So the website website doesn't really,
0: like, I don't think people go to it very often, but it does kind of have like, we have some writing on there that's kind of our backstory and Mm -hmm. then like just some fun new pictures. Anyway. Kind of Long-time
1: listeners of the show and can then, also listen to the first episode of this podcast to to get that.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. We yeah. also have some of our links to like, or some YouTube and different stuff. But again, you yeah. can just go to YouTube. Everyone right. has that app. So, I don't know. But it's still fun you, you to have.
1: have. You can go to our website to be like, oh, this is the centralized place for all the It's kind of like, what is
0: Opal? And you want it in one, yeah, one spot, right. then go to the website. Right. So,
1: anyway. OpalEntertainmentMusic.com. <laughs>
0: But Aiden's been working on um, the demo for our Patreon this month. Mhm.
1: It's kind of uh, cool because this
0: was one of the songs that we were do we talk about this? I don't know, but I don't think we have. Um this is one of the songs that we were thinking might not be included on the album.
1: Mhm.
0: And but we were just going to demo it out to kind of see. And then you sent well, it to I some had, people. I
1: had the like instrument I've had the instrumental right. for like a year oh, yeah. or a year. But yeah, I But send you sent it to
0: some people and they were like
1: well, well sent, you sent a I yeah, a you sent the album, of yeah, to, that. to like
0: three different people, and they all
1: mm-hmm.
0: had a reaction to this song, mm-hmm. which is just weird because it was something that we almost were ready to cut. Right? Well, I just wasn't or just <clears throat> not I sure think if you it's were direction. more ready.
1: You didn't like the song for for longer than me. Yeah, I guess. Um, I think I was just like I ha- we haven't found the direction, the exact like boom. That's oh, I love this moment. You know, yeah. I was like, I like this song. I like what it's about. I think it, it fits it fits the mood and the tone of the other songs, but it's just kind of how do we make it um, stand out and also have it be like, oh, that sounds like Opal, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like we were... In, There's such a
0: balance also with album work is like, we want the songs to be their own and like mm-hmm. hold their own. You could just put it on, but you also want to make it a cohesive album. So Right.
1: But I think we are and part of it is because we've been we've been with these songs for the past like 2 years but i feel like these songs at least and maybe this will change going forward but with these songs they're very songwriting wise cohesive with each other mm-hmm. and so i think we can that gives us freedom to explore sonically and go let's let's play around with the instrumentation let's you know we can add a funk line on this song maybe and we don't have to feel like, oh, but well, that's out of keeping with the other bass no, line. No, yeah, you right. It's just kind of like we can be really free on all the songs yeah. because I think the songwriting itself has a, just such a natural through line where if 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 sonically it was the same all across the album, I think it would get really repetitive yeah. and dense.
0: I think we had that fear with 3rd Ave, so we made them really like And it worked out because there were only right. like six songs on right. there. But yeah, if it had been a 12-song album, we, mm-hmm. we would have been able to take that approach. Right. So it is fun to kind of... Just different from the last, I guess, the EP. It's fun to see how the approach has changed. And you're right, it's going to be me and you. How different can you really make it? So,
1: mm-hmm. right. Anyway. And that's a big reason that we're also, I think we, we have talked about this a ton, but we're working, we have like other, hmm. yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. We can, we're working with multiple, like a lot of different people on this next album. Like a we've, lot of different producers. Right. We've already started, per, like, the. Mm-hmm. Oh, say. oh, oh, oh. One, one person we worked with and it was really awesome and I feel really excited about where that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the songs and then we're doing a couple other songs with another friend of ours and doing a few ourselves. So I think that'll help sonically keep it diverse and different um, because everyone's bringing different ideas and different sounds to the tables. And, and I lot. didn't really
0: know this much, but the, I thought like the person, the mixing person was the same thing as producer
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the producer is who is in studio with you giving ideas, Mm -hmm. and recording other instruments if we need them.
1: Basically a member of the band while you're recording the album.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really cool experience because you don't really know. Well, it's depending. I mean, one Mm -hmm. of them is like our friend, one person we hadn't worked with before. Mm -hmm. So we go into the studio and just... I mean, we had given him our songs a couple days before, Mm -hmm. and he's been able to get familiar with them. And... um, Right. But he... but. It's just an interesting thing because you tr- you have to trust him right. with his vision. He has to trust mm-hmm. you. And he it's, was really awesome. Right.
1: I think it's and – it's, and he especially was a really great blend of um, – we'll have him on the podcast at some point, so we will actually announce these things officially. We're not going to keep him this vague like we went to some hut in the woods. <laughs> kind of was in the woods, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I feel like all three of us had a good balance of of kind of of, oh, this isn't really working – but I'm not sure if it's not working because we're trying something new with it and I'm just used to the old version or mm-hmm. if it's like, no, I really, really like the old version. There were a couple of things where he was like suggested changes of, hey, what if we change this melody or whatever. And in, in
0: my our minds, we were like, well, right,
1: right our well, first reaction gonna, is, that's, that's gonna not going to ruin it. the song. <laughs> but then we think about it and it's like, no, it's just because we got used to the melody we've been singing and then it's like, actually, when you think about it, that does make more sense and I think that, that accentuates things and builds anticipation Yeah, especially since
0: we've been with the song so long it's a good thing because we know them inside mm-hmm. and out a lot right. better, and it's easier to go in the studio and record two songs in three days or whatever. Right. Yeah, but it is also an, a switch in our heads of being able to still come with an experimental right. mindset. There we go. An yeah. and he was able to push us into do that, and he, these songs were new to him, so mm-hmm. obviously he's going to have new ideas. And we say no to some things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's cool. Yeah. But he's also ready to like give us a lot of different options. Right. So.
1: And it it was that really good like there on one of the songs there was like this guitar solo that Liv and I didn't agree on what made most sense and it was that kind of I saw what made sense what what you were saying and I was like I, I get that but then I had these other issues and then I was did we thinking come about
0: to a, I think we're still disagreeing on it.
1: We right. are, but I think I've, I think it makes most sense to because to, then I talked oh. to him and he agreed with you and he said that seemed to fit best and so it was like kind of like I guess that makes sense. That's really the least interesting thing you've ever done, so <laughs> it's not Sorry. worth pointing out. Liv flipped her earrings over to go over her ears, and Sorry. she was like, "What?" It's like when you like pull your nose up and it's like, "Check it out!" and it's like, "Great." Sorry, but I thought was funny. I can do this. This is an audio podcast. <laughs> it's not even interesting at all. Um, Liv, do you want to hear some funny, some, some, these are, what (laughs) What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. Excellent tune. Um, Liv, you know, social construct, you're aware of the, the term, right? No i don't know what that means i'm gonna move past this question then
0: <laughs> what is so what does that mean
1: like people say like um uh, gender is a social construct it's construct or like wearing clothes is a, is a social construct oh right? it's
0: just because as most a society we to right, do things it's right. not just like correct how we do okay correct okay
1: Eman asked me is it a social construct if it's always been done that way I think a lot of people use the term, that's a social construct, as an excuse for, I don't want to listen to you. And I think most, a lot of the social construct, I'm like, I don't know. So, I like,
0: it would be an argument. So, if someone was like. Um,
1: I'm not going to wear clothes, because wearing clothes is a social construct. Yeah, okay. Your thoughts.
0: Uh, I forget. I've, like, there's different fallacies, you know, in logic. You mm. pull out the old fallacy book. I have it over there.
1: You have a f- book especially on fallacies?
0: Uh is it in here? Yeah, it's just lo- it's, yeah, it's For like all the heard? different ones. I, um that's not a legitimate argument
1: to mm, make. Right.
0: It might be that way.
1: It might be a social construct. Yeah, but, it's but to like give an argument given to, balance, our, to yeah. say that
0: and then say it's a social social construct that isn't a valid right. that's a fallacy if you're if you're arguing in lo- like logically. Mm-hmm.
1: So. I think it makes sense. Uh. I heard um Andre DeShields was on John Mulaney's last uh, special, which was like this reminiscent of like 90s Sesame Street almost kind of. It was pretty – it had some pretty funny moments. But throughout the show, it cut away and he'd be like interviewing. It's like him – it's like he's like the – it's kind of a Mr. Rogers thing. where It's like he's there and then there's like all these kids that he's hanging out with and they do songs and dances or whatever and stuff. Um so throughout, he'll like interview all the different kids and stuff, and be mm-hmm. like, "What do you? What are your? What's your biggest fear?" And a lot of them, you know, spiders or the dark or whatever like yeah. that. But Andre de Shields, who was like a singer and stuff, I really don't like him very much. He played he re, he played Hermes on Broadway of Hades Town. Oh yeah, and I just really think that the guy who did it off Broadway, when they're still workshopping it, yeah. just. Did it so much better. I feel like he was just like, "Oh, I like this version." Anyway, you think that's interesting? Buckle (laughs) up. Buckle up for this. At the very, very end of this, of this like comedy hour special, of of its, its jokes and its song and its dance and all that, and it's super fun and silly. It cuts to John interviewing Andre de Shields, and he asks him, "What's your biggest fear?" And there's this long pause, and he goes, "Fear, like all social constructs." It's imaginary or something like that. And I'm like, fear, okay. Like you just said, like saying it's a social construct is not a valid, it's not a hill to die on. Yeah. But also like fear is not a social construct. (laughs) You moron. What is wrong with you?
0: Is he just trying to make the point that like, Fear is a decision we make and not an actual yes, feeling. Or I get
1: I get the sentiment behind it. It's like don't be afraid. Okay, yeah. But but fear is a real thing. And like if you just say it's a social construct, you're taking the power away from people and like working through those fears. Yeah. You're taking the like effort and the like wow, look at how See, triumphant they are yeah. for overcoming that. Yeah. You're completely belittling that it's yeah. like bringing palpatine back after he's killed by darth vader
0: it's like i can kind of understand the sentiment i guess but it's a poor choice of
1: yeah. wording yeah
0: you have to think like did they script that out or was that just on his mind i'm I assuming think it was they must probably
1: have. just on his like yeah. i don't know well
0: if it was a te- i don't know anyway that's an interesting choice of words it is I've never it's heard it's a that dumb before. choice of words okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna
1: go out on a limb i'm You're gonna, gonna say go- that <laughs> i'm gonna go on record and say that was a dumb choice of words andre and then i think you wanted tony like the next year or maybe it was that year. I don't know. Anyway, I don't feel like he deserved it because I think the guy did it better before. Well, I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it. I don't know. I don't like him very much, so I'm going to move on. That's okay. Um, thank you. I appreciate the, the validation. Um, how, b- 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 Benedict Arnold. Um, Porky Pick. That's a really good short.
0: Oh, my um,
1: you ever read <laughs> Crime and Punishment? No. All right. What about uh, War and Peace? No. Okay. <laughs> Other question. Do you, are those two books by the same author?
0: I assume not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. One is by Tolstoy and one is by Dostoevsky. Okay. Which one do you think is by which? By who?
0: Tolstoy. <laughs> Tolstoy is the warm piece one.
1: <laughs> no, Leo Tolstoy.
0: Crime and punishment.
1: What? what? <laughs> you can't just say words back at me. <laughs>
0: What's the question?
1: (laughs) Did Tolstoy or Dostoevsky write *Crime and Punishment* or *War and Peace*?
0: Tolstoy wrote *War and Peace*.
1: War and (laughs) who? I'm talking about Leo Tolstoy, and I don't remember Dostoevsky's first name. Who? I don't know who this Warren guy is, but we'll leave him out of the conversation. Who wrote *Crime and Punishment* and who wrote *War and Peace*?
0: Why are you making this joke? (laughs) It's not funny. (laughs) I don't know how to answer. You. Dostoyevsky wrote...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dostoevsky
0: Crime and punishment, then.
1: Josh Koyemsky. I don't
0: know. The answer is I don't know. Okay.
1: I I didn't You were correct, though. Okay. About Warren. Good old Warren. Good old Warren. What a... Well, it's a family show. Um, the other day, our friend Harmon did a live stream on Instagram where she just googled the chords of songs she didn't know and like made up a melody and stuff. And it was really really funny. But someone suggested the song that she got through like the first chorus, and she goes, "Wait a second, this song is kind of dirty. <laughs> this is a family show." <laughs> and there was a long pause, and she goes, "I feel like I've been duped." <laughs> and I thought it was so funny.
0: <laughs> I was uh, watching it in the studio
1: by myself. Yeah, I heard I you just, laughing. I thought it was so funny. I feel like I've been duped. <laughs> it was really awesome. Everyone should go follow Harmon for when she does those things again because it was so much fun to watch. It was it was very, oh. it was really cool because it was like silly because she was like, I don't know how this goes. But it was also like, that's kind of cool. I like the direct. <laughs> She did, uh, I think it was Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. Mm. And it was like, this is kind of. She didn't know that this song? This is pretty cool. No. Wow. Yeah, Believe it or not, Harmon is not super into like the pop punk, uh, top 40s stuff.
0: <clears throat> I just feel like I hear it all over the place. But
1: mm-hmm. how do you think music influences culture or vice versa? Oh, I'm asking live questions. I should, I sh- probably <laughs> welcome just to Aiden there. interviews live. Live interviewed me like a year ago, and I'm finally returning the favor.
0: Huh? I think celebrities influence culture, like people that are the singers.
1: And really? more than,
0: like, the songs themselves.
1: You think that's the truth? The reality of things?
0: What is your next question again?
1: How does music influence culture or vice versa? And I
0: think, well, the first thing that just comes to my mind is, like, okay, what are the most popular songs that it, most of the culture listens to? Okay. Um, why do they listen to them? Because they like the people that write them. Why do they like the people? Because they go on Instagram and tell them mm. all these things. I think that's... And I think I think that's how it's influencing in one way, I think that's how it's influencing people. Interesting. Does that kind of make sense?
1: It does. I don't like that that is the reality.
0: I don't like that either, but um, I just think that I think that's partly true. I don't know, I assume. Um as far as the actual music, how does it influence culture? Um I never really thought of I don't know.
1: There's this YouTube channel called Then than like this than okay or other than <laughs> t-h-a-n <laughs> <laughs> fawn i'll say and i just saw this video essay by him about the oh Hello song soldier poet king and he was talking about, because he really likes like really old folk music and was talking about how a lot of people say like, oh, the song has a very like old folk music sound. And it does have an old folk music sound, but he was talking about how, like, but it's not like folk music in the way that he thinks of folk music. Mm. And he was kind of redefining it and talking about like, look at like the, the, Essentially, the top 40s folk songs of the last 300 years in you know England or Ireland or even America or whatever. And he was talking about like it, it's not necessarily that they have this specific song structure. It's not that they have this rhyme scheme or music theory behind it. It's that it was a song that was written and the entire culture inherited it kind of. Hmm. And so he was talking about how like he could see, like 60 years from now, like All-Star by Smash Mouth being a, it's a folk song. Because it's one of those. It was put out there, and just the entire culture, an entire generation, just like embraced it, and we're like, "This is the song of my generation," kind of. Mm. And it's like most of the time, it's a it's a joke, right? But
0: I thought you meant like, how does it influence culture? Meaning, how does culture? How are we acting as a culture?
1: Hmm? How does culture respond to music?
0: No, how is culture? Culture to me is thing is means. Okay, what does culture mean? It means it's a description of how we as people act in our society, right? Okay, yeah. So, well, I'm not sure okay. how music correlates exactly. Like the the music we listen. First of all, people listen to so many different types of music, right. and a lot of it is old music. Like they people listen to '80s music all the time. So right. that's not our immediate culture. It's not people in our same generation. Sure, sure. So. I, i don't know what i'm saying i guess i don't quite understand that me what that means
1: okay you sound really uh, uh, tense oh i do i'm Uh, sorry yeah not trying to what so culture changes and evolves right even over the past 10 years or something american culture has changed right
0: just what is that what does that mean is that
1: sorry is that correct I don't know. The the average person lives and interacts with people differently than they lived and interacted with people 10 years ago. Sure,
0: yes. Okay, that's, The
1: average human contact varies over the years, right? Sure. So what causes that? And how? I guess what causes that is is a really big question, specifically how does music, do you think, influence that? Do you think it does influence that at all? Or do you think music is influenced by oh, this cultural shift happened, therefore music adapted with it. Or I vice feel like versa. that's
0: it. I don't think it's like music was the head of the charge and then we follow as people. I think it. I think it all kind of goes together.
1: That's very interesting. Do you not agree? Um. Well, here's one thing. I've been thinking about a lot how um, art is politics and politics is comedy and comedy is a sport and sports are a soap opera. And that's the way that... Culture trends. Interesting. That's pretty long-winded, huh? But I've been thinking about it for a little while. I stole a couple things from. You think
0: sports are are so robust? Yeah. Well,
1: not the game itself, but people who actively follow sports are following the sports to see, oh, so and so got traded into that, and the coach did these things, and you know those kinds of things, right?
0: Right. That's
1: why people are invested. Is like the politics and relations behind the game itself. Yeah. Those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Um. It, it, which is, I mean, it's it's hyperbolic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Literally that, but I think it's it's kind of a never-ending saga of watching this oh, cast of characters sure. being evolved and changed or whatever, and how that how you're invested in it, right? Yeah. Um. I think art is politics it, at a certain point in culture art, uh, propaganda and agenda Mm -hmm. is being disguised as art and pushed forward at people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Is being disguised as art. I don't think this is how it should be. I don't think it's the essence of what art is. I don't think it's what the essence of what sports are. But I think that's the way things trend within culture. The lines between the different aspects of culture become blurred. And I think it's then the job of like a renaissance of some sort to redefine those blurred lines, right? So, lo- even even like, okay, let's look at jazz. I would I would argue that I think music does alter culture to mm-hmm. some capacity. Okay. Before jazz, we were coming out of like the, um, why can I not think of it? The impressionist? That's not it. Sorry, can you hold on for just one second? Oh, totally. Hang on, folks. Give me just two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we call a lot of people on the show these days. Who are you calling? Sue Padre. Oh. Hello? Hey, how are you doing? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, you're on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what was the era of music like Stravinsky, right? early 20th century? Uh, be called like expressionistic. Expressionistic. things, yeah. Okay, I just called you up because like, I thought it was impressionistic and I couldn't remember and I was like, that doesn't sound quite right. And I was right. just trying to remember what it was called. impressionistic would have been you know, Debussy's probably the one. That That's, yeah. It was, a, it was a cool period of time even though hardly anybody we know goes back and listens to a lot of those composers. Mm-hmm. Even Stravinsky, what we know is, you know, three basic or two maybe basic pieces. I know um, Rites of Spring and Firebird. Right. And was he the one who had the unfinished something or another? I don't know. Lots of composers had unfinished things. I mean right, I know, but... Haydn's famous unfinished symphony. <gasps> but... Because he he's hiding the last part. That's exactly it. We figured we it out. We, found it. That's the problem. we did it, you guys. So that's the next Indiana Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Indiana Jones <laughs> and the last movement of Haydn's unfinished symphony. <laughs> <somebody. laughs> That's a great one. I like yeah, that. That's a good. Well, that, either that it. or that sounds like a magic school bus kind of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. Well, we'll workshop that and we'll get back to you on that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. So, really, that's what you called for us to ask. Yeah, we're talking about music come. and culture, and I couldn't. I was talking about how I, I proposing that I think jazz kind of offered a musical renaissance, um, early twentieth century coming out of the impressionistic era. Yeah. So, that's all. Yeah, and I just couldn't remember the term. And then okay. we decided to chat for five minutes about random things. Okay. So. <laughs> well, let you get back to the podcast. All right. Well, thanks for being right. on. Talk to you okay. soon. Okay, thanks. Yep. All right. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Uh, that was my padre. My beautiful, beautiful padre. <laughs> my own brother, Michael. My own selfish brother. Michael Selfish Selfish Michael Juanita Juanita Do you ever watch Andy Griffith's show? No. <laughs> he's one, so he is his one of the in like the early seasons he's his girlfriend named Juan Barney, who's like the mm, idiot yeah. deputy, He has his girlfriend named Juanita, who you never see. But uh he he calls her at the office sometimes and <laughs> pretty funny interactions but one of the times like he's like alone in the office and he calls and he's like i wrote you a poem and he goes juanita juanita dear kind juanita from your head down to your feet there is nothing half as sweet as juanita juanita dear kind juanita Oh, there is talk of miracles, <laughs> Andy. It's very funny. Anyway, at the very end, <laughs> then Andy so comes in so behind funny. him, and you like just sits. He's so very funny because he's just talking on the phone. He doesn't see him come in, and so Andy's just sitting behind him and just listening. Going, I guess, the very last stanza of that like refrain, yeah. "Want from your head," and he starts <laughs> reciting it <all over laughs> with them. There is nothing half as. It's very funny. Anyway, that was so funny. That was a wonderful, wonderful. Rabbit trail. So um, I, going back to what we were talking about beforehand, um, I would argue that jazz in the early 20th century coming out of expressionism of like Stravinsky and all that mm. offered a sort of musical renaissance where the culture's reaction to expressionism initially was like, I mean, I think it was Rights of Spring, was literally like riots in the streets and, and things mm. like that. Mm-hmm um of like this is the death of culture this is the death of art it is these these things and then jazz comes along and it was kind of that way too but it was also ad- adopted much more broadly much more in the mainstream um i would say jazz and like rock and roll in like the late 40s early 50s and then like uh you know the beatles type you know of that kind of thing yeah. up to like 80s synth pop was every kind of one of those had this this new we kind of accepted it faster and faster culturally, mm. which okay. I think is really interesting. Anyway, so sorry, that was kind of a long-winded thing.
0: So you do think, I guess, yeah, like maybe, I think it depends on the person, the band or whatever, but you think music came first and then the culture kind of followed their ideas. I don't th-
1: I, th- I don't think it's necessarily a causation thing, oh, but I yeah. do think it is at least a correlation thing. And yeah. I, well, I guess, hmm, Art influences culture and culture influences Yeah, you I know, guess I kinda ever, kind of think that too. It's like what comes for where, a chicken egg
0: type right. thing. Right. And yeah.
1: I think it's kind of when you can look back and pick a year, pick any year over the past 2000 years and be like, "Oh yeah, the music was this and this is the you know." Yeah. Or, I do well, think that's it. Oh, I mean, music is included within the culture. Like, when we look back historically at things, yes, so it's very it much a is part kind of it. Is kind of like you can't. What do you mean, culture? Is that that's also cuisine, and that's also fashion, and that's yeah. you know what I mean? So I think music is just another aspect of it. I so I guess I could ask a question: How did fashion influence culture, or vice yeah.
0: versa? I do think like um, more and more, uh, music and artists have a way that they can kind of get away with saying. Blunt statements in their music, hmm. and it's either like shunned and canceled, like the words used today, or it's like It's like whoa, that was kind of gutsy, but then they it's accepted.
1: Hmm. Like
0: I don't, you, I don't know. I you feel think like
1: music gets away with it more than other art. I forms, think it no. Or? I think
0: it just it, it 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 states it more clearly, kind of out in the open, like lyrically.
1: Like what's an example?
0: I don't know. More negatively, I guess, but I feel like. Um, like, I don't know if we'll keep this in.
1: Okay, we can cut it. Liv's going to get all political honestly. I don't know. Like Cardi B or someone. Mm, They talk about just,
0: like, terrible things. Oh. And it's just, like, put out there, and it could have been a reaction of, like, think of our grandparents if they had heard that when they were kids. That would have been, like, exactly. Or if I
1: heard it today. Right. But, like, as a
0: culture, it would have been, like, shunned. Right? Right. Right, but nowadays it's like accepted because it.
1: You saying culture has regressed and and crossed lines that we shouldn't have crossed. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I think
0: the music kind of sprung that for. I'm saying that kind of came first. It kind of was like. Hmm. And now, as a culture, we're okay with talking about
1: these things because well, Cardi
0: B, we sing it in the song in our car, and now. But you just there talk about are, it.
1: Are I mean, you can. <clears throat> don't you? I don't know. I, I get that. Yes, but at the same time, there were people. In a similar vein as Cardi B, not musically but like content-wise, back in the '20s, that were doing the exact same thing, that just the mainstream culture didn't react exactly correctly you know they are they did react correctly to and you yeah. know shunned it yeah. so i do think that was more of a cultural shift and then it allowed for more acceptance of that type of music rather than
0: the music cardi b first. said
1: i'm gonna do this and culture said i guess we'll accept this i think it was more culture had, was was trending towards we're, we're yeah. accepting these things and then more and more things were like great i'm gonna fill in since you're yeah. accepting these things but I'm i think they're
0: they're pu- pushing us more Correct. in that yeah, direction yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. think they're leading something that's like right I agree that it's not like the it's not like she did it out of nowhere, right? But I do think
1: I think it's been it's, a, it's been a, it's making
0: us accept it more because sure. it's on our radio. And, and at the t-
1: same time, I think it's been a, a long trend toward that for the past like sixty years. Yeah, of yeah,
0: but it's still movies
1: and music. Uh, again, p- different aspects of culture continually pushing that envelope yeah. to where culture evolves with that and goes. I guess well, this is now the line. Yeah, Because you know? I, I mean, yes, what Cardi B sings about your grandparents. Would have been disgusted by, but would, would they also be disgusted by the fashion of the average person today? Yeah, maybe, you know, and maybe, maybe not, but I mean, I think it's kind of thing where I go, I don't think that's a bad thing for us to wear more comfortable clothes and not be sweaty all the time. Oh, you're talking about you know? like that? Oh, yeah. Like for us to wear a suit. And, you know, part of me is like, like oh, that was a baby. Everyone's wearing suit and tie. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and I look, you know, watch those little movies. And like, I know. And you're like, classy. oh, that seems real awesome. classy. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like suits are also kind of uncomfortable would, at a point. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. I, it's,
0: you I like being able to wear pants and right. walk
1: around. So it's it's kind of, you know. It's neither that. here
0: nor there. It's not like I wish we could go back or I wish we could go for. It's mm-hmm. It's just like talking realizing sure why sure anyway
1: um have you seen any of the hobbit movies
0: i think i've seen the hobbit what the hobbit movie like Lord of the rings and the hobbit or just the hobbit what do you mean by there the are hobbit? three
1: hobbit movies what yeah so you have it <laughs> <laughs> they split the hobbit into have, three movies you didn't know the, this movie? yeah i have seen oh, them rotten i <laughs> you have should seen watch them, them all. Seen all of them?
0: I don't know. It's I've like seen nine at least hours one.
1: worth of movies. I
0: think so. I remember going into a deep dive, and we even watched the behind the scenes footage. My family. And
1: you sure it was the Hobbit, not Lord of the Rings?
0: It had the the, the dragon. So okay. Smog or whatever. Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Yeah. Babbage Cumberbunny. <laughs> <laughs> Babbage Cumberbunny. Cumberbunny. Yes, we're referencing a video we made many years ago. It was a good time. Um, Libby,
0: what's my name? (laughs) Bitch, Cumberbatch.
1: A little trivia about The Hobbit that I think contributes to why it's so bad. Visually, I've always been like, something is just off. Mm. It looks too like, it's like they put Vaseline over the lens and then like Mm. up the contrast a little too much and up the exposure a little too much. And it's this weird like, everything's a little too shiny without actually looking good. (laughs) So it has this weird like haze over the entire thing. Okay. That's because they shot it in 5K resolution. And I think I think it was 48 frames per second and the average is like 24 frames per second oh, for wow. most movies. And all in 3D. So when you take away like 3D glasses that will, when you when you shoot things specifically, exclusively for 3D, when you take away the 3D part, it will always look a little bit off. You know, there are those shots yeah. in certain movies where they're like, this is the 3D shot. Yeah. And it's when you watch it on 3D, and it's, it's like, 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 I'm leaning towards the camera, and now I'm back, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's just going to look weird. But then also, it's in 5K, so you just like notice every single imperfection. Like when it's, when it's only 4K, you can get away with like makeup lines or whatever like that. But in The Hobbit, I just, that was one of the first things I remember noticing. So did was, they like, not?
0: think it was going to be such a big that's hit the... did they just Whoa, no, no. what
1: no sorry like
0: did they just shoot it for 3d because they thought it was just going to be like a 3d special in the theaters no and then it was gonna they go
1: out... knew they wanted it to make billions and billions of so dollars why would they do that because they, they didn't care about making a good movie and that's why would they originally it was going to be two movies which even there, like that's a stretch just make it one movie just
0: wow <sighs>
1: Anyway, that wasn't a question. I Wait, just I thought you said right there
0: were three the movies.
1: There were three movies. It was oh. supposed to be two. And I was saying just make it oh. one because it's a short book. And they they, <laughs> they, they they leaned way too much into the, like, let's let tie it into the Lord of the Rings. And, like, how it's just, it was just way too epic for what it should mm-hmm. have been. I think it's, like, part of the charm of the book, especially in contrast to the Lord of the Rings, is it's so fun. It's so lighthearted and whimsical. And it's a fairy yeah. tale, It still,
0: like, brings in, like, real notes and, like... Right.
1: Some Real big, personal notes, but it yeah. doesn't go nearly as in depth as even like the first few chapters of the Lord of the Rings into like the mythology and lore of Middle-earth, oh, you know? Oh, well, yeah. It's a very like, this is this one isolated instance within Middle-earth, and it's, it's, I mean, because it has the ring in there, because it has Gollum, it has a couple little things that tie into the grander story of the Lord right. of the Rings, but... It's not, it's not. I this thought you giant. were talking
0: about, you were talking about how it's fun and stuff, but I don't think it's always, it's not necessarily no, always no, 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 like fun no. and lighthearted. It Correct. Like, yeah. That's that, just what I was making. And I point. think,
1: yeah. And, and it has, oh, it's such a good book. I just. It's uh, my favorite. Yeah. Your favorite book ever? Oh, no. I don't remember what you said your favorite book ever was when you did that. Wild birds. I just, oh yeah, was that I? That's a good book. I haven't read it, but I've heard it's a good book. Maybe I should finally read it.
0: I don't know where it, I don't have it anymore.
1: I started rereading uh, Lord of the Rings and Man. It's so good. You did. It's funny how much I remember. I know. It was like four I have years a hard going time going it.
0: back because it's like, oh, I want to go back and read it, but then I read it and I'm like, I already know this. But then I couldn't. I couldn't tell but you. There was little
1: instances. There was little details. Yeah. Of like, where it's oh, like, oh yeah, this is a great moment. Like I forgot mm. when they meet the elves before they leave the Shire, and I was like, I just. Oh, one that's of my brilliant.
0: favorite things to, is like reading a book for the first time, mm-hmm. and because you just. You will never...
1: That's why... I think I... I took
0: that for granted. I read a lot of really good classics when yeah. I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, you know, 10 or 11. Yeah. And I took it for granted because yeah. I just was like breezing through all these things. But yeah. now it's like taking my time. <laughs> on it. Anyway, yeah. sorry. What?
1: That's what I wonder like when I have kids is is like, so do I read them Lord of the Rings like when they're 80 beady babies? Or do I like, no, no wait. Them... Because I, I, I'm very glad that I wanted to read To Kill a Mockingbird and I read it on my own for the oh, first yeah. time. And it was like... I took the guy and I knew like, okay, this is one of those books that everyone's talking about mm. and I really like read it and I'm really glad I did and it wasn't just one of those. I mean, I think I'd still love it if, yeah. if it was like read to me when I was eight or something yeah. like that. But it's a little heavy for that. It is a little heavy, I guess, maybe. but I don't know. The Slaters grew up with it. so <laughs> That's cool. um Well, this wasn't a question. We're going to move on now. Okay. Liv, um, what, hmm, what makes a villain?
0: Villain? Dun, dun, dun.
1: What?
0: Well, good villain hair. Um, a coordinated outfit. Usually of, you know, purple, orange, or something of that color. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what makes a villain? Hard childhood.
1: Okay, but I mean alone. Like, what?
0: They feel alone. Okay. They have a hard childhood. They feel alone, and now they're using. All their energies as revenge, but instead of addressing the actual problem in their life, they're taking it out on other people.
1: Okay, who are some of the best like literary villains you can think of off the top of your head? <laughs>
0: uh <laughs> Ursula—that <laughs> is the first one that came to head. Ursula, I don't.
1: Did she give uh, a lengthy backstory? I don't
0: actually know if I've ever seen The *Little Mermaid*. <laughs> <Wormit. laughs> um,
1: uh, I guess yeah, Doofenshmirtz definitely leans into the coordinated outfit and the traumatizing childhood. Well he does have a
0: traumatizing childhood. Yes. Um
1: <laughs> I was raised by ocelots Both my parents failed to show up to I my birth. Like
0: he's always like a gnome in the yard.
1: Or maybe that well, was just He was episode. a gnome for the yeah. Um <laughs> and my neighbor Kenny. <laughs> make any dish. Oh excellent show.
0: I'm trying to think of other movies. Uh
1: You like a lot of, like, movies where the villain is more like an internal antagonist within uh, the character, and then they, like, overcome I that. know. I
0: was thinking of, like, Ratouille. I mean, I guess the head chef is a little bit annoying, but he's not really the villain. Mm. And what the about, dad isn't the villain.
1: What about Ego? Anton Ego.
0: Who's that? <laughs> I'm making a joke?
1: No. You, you don't remember Anton Ego? The Who? critic,
0: oh duh, I didn't. Is that how they say it? Yeah,
1: I, I don't think he's a villain. You don't think he's a villain? Why no, is that?
0: Because, um, I would say the protagonist is Remy. Okay. And, I feel like Antonigo has more of an issue with the other guy. Linguini? Yeah. Not Remy. I feel like Remy. I feel like Remy. That is an internal.
1: So do you think?
0: I think he gets in the way of his goal. He's a roadblock. Hmm. But I don't think he's the villain.
1: Hmm. He also doesn't have an
0: interesting childhood that I know about. So,
1: Have you just seen the movie?
0: <laughs> Anton Ego? They don't give him a
1: backstory? Yeah. They, yeah. I Okay, a couple things. I think Anton Ego is the antagonist, and he is also the quest of the story. I think the point of the story is to redeem Anton Ego. And they redeem it through his childhood, through his backstory. You don't remember the part where he eats the ratatouille and it flashes back to when he was a little boy? Oh, bright? yeah. I do remember that. Have you seen the film? I have,
0: like, a <laughs> hundred times. Sorry, I'm having a hard time I'm remembering. It's weird.
1: It. So that's that. Well, that under pressure. Under pressure. Who's the villain of Queen? No, we'll get back to that. I don't Sorry. know that movie. It's, it's a band. <laughs> Who's the villain of M and M's? Let me ask you that. Skittles, also, peanut M and M's, peanut hear, butter hear, hear cups. Me out. Peanut M and M's in parentheses, racist commies. <laughs> that was a note I had on my phone. I don't know what I was in reference to. No. So what you said about like Remy is a protagonist and a- Ego has a problem with linguini and not Remy, which m- makes the, him not the villain, is what you were saying just a second ago, right? Proposing, right? Mm-hmm. So. Frodo is the hero of Lord of the Rings, right? He's the main protagonist. And Sauron doesn't have a problem with Frodo. He has a problem with the elves and with goodness, right? So, but that Sauron is still the villain of Lord of the Rings, right? Mm. Or is he not? Who's the villain of Lord of the Rings? Or does Lord of the Rings have a villain?
0: I don't think of him as as a villain. I think of him as one of the bad guys and the head of Hmm. the bad guys. But I don't think of him as... He doesn't give in. Hmm.
1: He has a very coordinated outfit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know. I've never thought of him as like the. I feel like we don't get to see him enough to realize that he's a villain. I don't know.
1: So you think being a villain has to do with like amount of screen time? Um, It's dependent on our knowledge of them?
0: No. I guess I think of it more as like the quest and not defeating the quest. Is the villain
1: not achieving the quest? Is okay.
0: Does that make sense? Kind of. I
1: don't know. I, I, um, maybe that
0: word. Maybe I'm just misinterpreting. Like, like, why do you think Saren's a villain? Is it because he's the baddest of I the bad guys? So that makes him a villain. You know.
1: Um. Yeah. I think he is. Um, well, to be really on the nose, I think he is an embodiment of evil. Of mm. of of all evil things and of nothing good, nothing redeeming within him. Mm. He, um, he wants destruction and death and suffering with throughout the world. You know, um, he is against what the Shire is fighting for. He's against what Gandalf and Rohan and Gondor are fighting for, uh, in uh, which, you know, which is peace and tranquility and all that jazz. Right.
0: So going back to Ratatouille, you just said the reason Sauron's a villain is because he's not redeemable.
1: And that's that's Sauron specifically. Okay. I don't think that is an inherent part of being a villain. You I would oh. say that. He, um, Skinner is more of a villain, the the chef, the, yeah. the um, but he's kicked out pretty early on. So it's. I mean, I think Ratatouille is also interesting because it's kind of like a, a two halves. Like the the first quest is. Linguini and they're like subconscious quests it's not like Linguini's like I need to become the head chef of this restaurant mm-hmm. it's just kind of that's what happens and then another thing that happens is redeeming Anton Ego so I think they're, Skinner and Ego are the two villains of the story but Skinner is much more of a cartoonish um, f- a foe for Linguini to overcome and ego is specifically Remy goes I want to redeem this person I have compassion for this person I want to actually show him what good food can do and it's different than what he thinks yeah. you know
0: and I don't think just because you have a character that is developed to be annoying and, and kind of get in the way of the protagonist makes I don't think that makes him a villain no, so I don't think I don't the head chef so is a villain at all I don't think he has any qualities of a villain but I th- he's a <sighs> but character he, he that
1: actively wants to uh get mm-hmm. he wants to belittle Linguini. he wants to get in his way he wants to figure him out you know he doesn't want Linguini to succeed he wants he wants himself to succeed and, and and is threatened by other people trying to succeed as well mm-hmm. so i would say he is a villain in that regard an ego so He I has qualities is
0: the of it but I, in a story literally like structure he's not the villain
1: so is there a villain in ratatouille
0: well, I'm just saying the head chef is not definitely. Okay. So maybe it maybe it is the critic. Um
1: but he he ego is in the very beginning, like the prologue before the actual story has started, and yeah. then he doesn't come in until like an hour into the movie.
0: But you do know that but you're right. Like you do know that Remy's whole goal is to to cook. Yeah. And he's the only one, is you're saying he's the only thing getting in his way?
1: No, Skinner is the only thing getting in his way for the whole first half, and then Skinner's out of the way, and then the next thing getting in his his way is his relationship with Linguini, which is kind of a separate conflict. Yeah. But then ego is the final uh, quest that the two of them want to achieve together.
0: Do you think every story has to have a villain?
1: Every story has to have conflict to be a good story. I You know? Um, and that can come in, in many, many, many different ways. Right. Like we, you know, La La Land, I wouldn't say has a villain, but it has, both of them have antagonistic, uh, things that cause each other to cause conflict, you know, within the story.
0: Maybe the word, maybe I'm just thinking of it wrong and thinking like the word that villain, like I.
1: Let, you have a very like swashbuckling image in your head. I yeah, like Dr. Schmerz, or like a Disney or, thing or yeah, whatever. Okay. But
0: antagonist, I can kind of like okay, okay, I could. That makes more sense in my head. It's it's the one character that gets in the way of the hero from being able to. But I think it's cool. But I do think sometimes movies don't necessarily have key antagonists, but rather just character roadblocks.
1: Sure. So but, I'm just what is the difference? I, think, I don't well, know. Um, what's her name? Redival from uh, Tilia Faces. Yeah, I would say she is an antagonistic character, but I wouldn't say she is the ultimate villain of that story. Does that make sense? Yeah, she does dislike Orwell and Psyche. You know, she she she's jealous of them. She you know is prideful. All these things, but she also. Is a genuine character and is remorseful, and you know, I don't really. Where does she end up? She gets married, I think. Yeah, that she does. She meets the prince. Anyway, um, I think the ultimate—I mean, that's a really interesting thing too, because I don't know if the ultimate villain is Orwell or the gods. Um, but I don't know. That's just one of the things that came to mind too. There are character, like you said a minute ago, there are characters who can get in the way and be stumbling blocks. You know, in a messes things up for Remy but I wouldn't say he's an antagonist he doesn't mean to do any of that right it's all accidentally that he does things wrong right mm-hmm. um, so I do think to be an antagonistic character you have to have a purposeful malice of sorts to, to to I don't know qualify I guess we can use that word and maybe it's just the scale of, and maybe yeah saying, saying oh that's the ultimate villain and that's the ultimate hero is just the scale at which they perform Sure, I think Frodo is the ultimate protagonist within that story because one you're seeing most of the story from his perspective. Yeah. He is the one that we most closely relate to because he's from the Shire and it's all these different things. And because he is the one to actually do the final, you know, destroying the ring. Yeah. But I would say Gandalf and Frodo and Sam yeah. also absolutely have very definite protagonist aspects to them. And this kind of goes into something else that I wanted to bring up to you is the, the role of the Christ figure within literature. Oh. Who would you say is the ultimate christ figure within the lord of the rings let's just start there since we're on the topic mm. besides Baragond.
0: well it's hard all of them have their flaws i feel like sure and so
1: not I mean, not part a perfect christ like, character but i mean what which one best is like oh that is the one because i X, mean y, Z.
0: i think gandalf in one way he's very he gets together a group of Mm-hmm. people, this is more in The habit, I guess, but, um, gets together a group of people to accomplish something. Um, he gives advice, but he's not, he lets people figure that out. It's mm-hmm. not like he's just telling, he talks in, in not in quite in parables like Jesus did, but sure. I feel like some somewhat riddles like that where it's not okay. just straight out like direction is. Yeah. Um, I don't know what his motives are necessarily. I mean, he's a wizard, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's kind of bound to like save people and help people. But he doesn't have to. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, we see Saran doing other things, and so it's sorry, it's, I'm it's, sorry mom. That's what I meant. Right, okay. <laughs> so he's selfless in that way. Sure. I don't know. Who do you think?
1: Um. Well, and I. Th- uh, frodo i think in a way because again he is the one to bear the burden for the rest of middle earth um he is the one who has to make the choice to do that um who has to willingly bear the burden and and sacrifice something um in that regard i would say it's frodo in the like you're saying in the like the the prophet the teacher side of jesus i think that's gandalf of like yeah. the, the king ruler um sovereign lord i would say is aragorn um so i think aragorn gandalf and frodo are the are the main three yeah. that i think fill that role i
0: feel like frodo uh, oh sorry do you have more
1: thoughts no you go first
0: i feel like he's way too he m- kind of makes the decision to do the like put the ring on you know or whatever or put, To go on the quest, right? But he's also being threatened by a bunch of dwarves and wizards to kind of go. He's
1: not being threatened. Uh, They're not. They're not saying do this or they're not doing any of that. He is there while they are discussing it, and I. It is a. I think it is a completely free choice of his. You do that. He absolutely one hundred percent willingly sacrificially says, "I will take the ring to Mordor." He just
0: feels like. It doesn't feel like how I picture Jesus to make it the decision. And then also to just go on. He seems like a really nervous, always frightened, always.
1: Uh, Well, that's part of it. So a couple things, no one, I don't think will no no character in literature. I think should at least, um, be a perfect representation of Christ. You know, I think we already have the gospels for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything else is a, here is a, is an imperfect, uh, lens that we can view an aspect of Jesus through. Right. That's one thing. I think also when you're talking about him, like, I mean, he, he is still, he willingly and sacrificially wants to take the ring, but also is, it does succumb to its power at points, you know, and and is, you know, tempted by it. It does, it does wear on him. What
0: I feel like he's the, the best depiction of us as human.
1: Frodo? I would agree with that.
0: I don't think, I don't think he's like Christ in that way he's like Christ in the way that we are in made in the image of God, but I don't think he's because one of the reasons that he wants to go on the thing isn't necessarily all for the sacrifice. It's also because he kind of wants adventure. He's kind of right. wants to see if he can do it. It's a challenge. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of things. I don't think it's quite as selfless as Jesus, like dying on the cross for you or deciding, no. you know, doing, I feel like he's way more a depiction of, of uh, hmm. like when I'm reading it, I'm thinking of myself as like, interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree with that. I think, yeah, I think Frodo is the most, I think the hobbits in general are the most, uh, like us, the Shire is the thing we can best be like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Once we get to Rivendell, it's like the heck, what? Yeah. This is amazing, <laughs> but I have no reference to what yeah. this is like. Right. Yeah. Um, but the Shire, we're more like, yeah, okay. I basically get how this works. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think he's definitely the the, the lens that we understand the world through. Um, But I don't know. I guess I just do think, again, yeah, he's not... uh, I don't think saying... hmm, I don't think the point of stories is what's the the most accurate, perfect um, representation of Jesus. I think the point of stories is... I'm not quite sure how to succinctly uh, phrase this, but hmm. I don't know. I guess, like I said before, I I think he's, yes, it's not, he's not a perfect one for one comparison, but I do think because, I mean, yes, he is most like us out of anyone in the book, but I I think he also is the one who, who bears the burden and makes the the, the highest sacrifice within the story. He is the one who has a long term. More than like
0: Sam, you think?
1: Yes, yeah, Sam doesn't have the long-term consequences that Frodo does. Sam is able to go home and have a family, and Frodo isn't. I that and that's uh, maybe and this might be splitting hairs, but uh, when yes, they make those decisions in, in those minutes, of, in I don't think Sam of, is necessarily
0: thinking. I
1: don't know. Sam is is expresses his selfless loyalty and love and and grace more than Frodo does. So and that's yeah, and that's another. I think one of the beautiful thing about the book is that Frodo and Sam and Aragorn and Gandalf all share characteristics of Christ. Um, for, uh, Sam is, yeah, loyalty and love and forgiveness and, and just companionship and Gandalf is, is wisdom and guidance and clarity, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I guess I I, I, know I, I would yeah. say, I think, um, I guess I will, I feel pretty confident in, in my opinion in saying yeah. I think Frodo is the ultimate Christ figure within the story because he bears the burden the longest and truest, and suffers the long, the more the long term consequences yeah. of that.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Makes
1: sense. Mm-hmm. Um, least favorite Kenny G album. Bringing it back, y'all. Don't even know
0: any of his yeah. album names. We should listen to
1: Kenny G more often. I think, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, Liv, you have anything else you want to say to the folks at home?
0: Hmm, I guess I don't. Okay. Sorry.
1: Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, Thank you so much for telling all your friends about this really exceptional program um all just 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 at your fingertips. Um so get out there and read some good books or stay inside and read some good books. I guess it's it's your option. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I will encourage you to have a good day and listen to some good music this week and we'll see you next time. For a brand new episode of Between Takes.